So in lore, folklore, fairy tales, mythology, urban legends, etc., you come across a dichotomy of perceived good and evil. Now, whether that perceived good and evil is the perception that the author wanted you to believe is another story altogether. Such is the case when you think about the ancient lore of fairies. When it comes to the fairies, they will try to trick you, try to take you to their realms, try to make you one of them, bring you into their realm and seduce you. But in certain religions, in this case, uh, the Judeo-Christian faith, it is best seen to drive off such creatures, such beings, and to, as it were, kind of not treat with them. Do not leave them gifts. Do not, you know, take a gift from them, etc., So, without further ado, I present to you The Priest's Supper, written by T. Crofton Crocker, read by Justin Haskell. It is said by those who ought to understand such things, that the good people, or the fairies, are some of the angels who were turned out of heaven, and who landed on their feet in this world while the rest of their companions who had more sin to sink them went down further to a worse place. Be this as it may, there was a merry troop of the fairies, dancing and playing all manner of wild pranks on a bright moonlit evening towards the end of September. The scene of their merriment was not far distant from Inchigila, in the west of the county Cork, a poor village, although it had a barrack for soldiers, but great mountains and barren rock, like those round about it, are enough to strike poverty into any place. However, as the fairies can have everything they want for wishing, poverty does not trouble them much and all their care is to seek out unfrequented nooks and places where it is not likely any one will come to spoil their sport. On a nice green sod by the river's side were the little fellows dancing in a ring as gaily as may be, with the red caps wagging about at every bound in the moonshine. And so light were those bounds that the lobes of dew, although they trembled under their feet, were not disturbed by their capering. Thus did they carry on their gambols, spinning round and round, and twirling and bobbing and diving and going through all manner of figures, until one of them chirped out, Cease! Cease with your drumming! Here's an end to our mumming! By my smell, I can tell, a priest this way is coming. And away every one of the fairies scampered off as hard as they could, concealing themselves under the green leaves of the Lusmore, where if their little red caps should happen to peep out, they would only look like its crimson bells. 
and more hid themselves at the shady side of stones and brambles, and others under the bank of the river, and in holes and crannies of one kind or another. The fairy speaker was not mistaken, for along the road which was within view of the river came Father Horrigan on his pony, thinking to himself that as it was so late he would make an end of his journey at the first cabin he came to. And according to this determination he stopped at the dwelling of Dermod Leary, lifted the latch and entered with, My blessing on all here. I need not say that Father Horingen was a welcome guest wherever he went, for no man was more pious or better beloved in the country. Now it was a great trouble to Dermid that he had nothing to offer his reverence for supper as a relish to the potatoes which the old woman, for so Dermid called his wife, though she was not much past twenty, had down boiling in the pot over the fire. He thought of the net which he had set in the river, but as it had been there only a short time, the chances were against his finding a fish in it. No matter, thought Dermid, there can be no harm in stepping down to try, and maybe as I want the fish for the priest's supper that one will be there before me. Down to the riverside went Dermid, and he found in the net as fine a salmon as ever jumped in the bright waters of the spreading lee. But as he was going to take it out, the net was pulled from him. He could not tell how or by whom, and away got the salmon and went swimming along with the current as gaily as if nothing had happened. Dermid looked sorrowfully at the wake which the fish had left upon the water, shining like a line of silver in the moonlight, and then, with an angry motion of his right hand and a stamp of his foot, gave vent to his feelings by muttering, May bitter bad luck attend you night and day for the blackguard schema of a salmon. Wherever you go, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, if there's any shame in you, to give me the slip after this fashion. And I'm clear in my own mind you'll come to no good for some kind of evil thing or other helped you. Did I not feel it pull the net against me as strong as the devil himself? That's not true for you said one of the little fairies, who had scampered off at the approach of the priest, coming up to Dermid Leary, with a whole throng of companions at his heels. There was only a dozen and a half of us pulling against you. Dermid gazed on the tiny speaker with wonder, who continued, Make yourself no way uneasy about the priest's supper, for if you will go back and ask him one question from us, there will be as fine a supper as ever was put on a table spread out before him in less than no time. I'll have nothing at all to do with you, replied Dermid in a tone of determination. And after a pause, he added, I'm much obliged to you for your offer, sir, but I know better than to sell myself to you or the like of you for a supper, and more than that I know Father Horrigan has more regard for my soul than to wish me to pledge it for ever out of regard to anything you could put before him, so there's an end of the matter. The little speaker, with a pertinacity not to be repulsed by Dermond's manner, continued, Will you ask the priest one civil question for us? 
Dermot considered for some time, and he was right in doing so, but he thought that no one could come to harm out of asking a civil question. I see no objection to do that same, gentlemen, said Dermid, but I will have nothing in life to do with your supper, mind that. Then, said the little speaker fairy, whilst the rest came crowding after him from all parts, go and ask Father Horrigan to tell us whether our souls will be saved at that last day, like the souls of good Christians, and if you wish us well, bring back word what he says without delay. Away went Dermid to his cabin, where he found the potatoes thrown out on the table, and his good wife handing the biggest of them all a beautiful laughing red apple, smoking like a hard-ridden horse on a frosty night over to Father Horrigan. "'Please, your reverence,' said Dermid, after some hesitation, "'may I make bold to ask your honor one question?' "'What may that be?' said Father Horrigan." Why, then, begging your reverence's pardon for my freedom, it is, if the souls of the good people are to be saved at the last day? Who bid you ask me that question, Leary? said the priest, fixing his eyes upon him very sternly, which Dermid could not stand before at all. I'll tell no lies about the matter, and nothing in life but the truth, said Dermid. It was the good people themselves who sent me to ask the question, and there they are in thousands down on the bank of the river waiting for me to go back with the answer. Go back by all means, said the priest, and tell them, if they want to know, to come here to me themselves, and I'll answer that or any other question they are pleased to ask with the greatest pleasure in life. Dermid accordingly returned to the fairies, who came swarming round about him to hear what the priest had said in reply, and Dermid spoke out among them like a bold man as he was, but when they heard that they must go to the priest, away they fled, some here and more there, and some this way and more that, whisking by poor Dermid so fast and in such numbers that he was quite bewildered. When he came to himself, which was not for a long time, back he went to his cabin and ate his dry potatoes along with Father Horrigan, who made quite light of the thing, but Dermid could not help thinking it a mighty hard case that his reverence, whose words had the power to banish the fairies at such a rate, should have no sort of relish to his supper than that the fine salmon he had in the net should have got away from him in such a manner. So, there we have one of the traditional Irish fairy tales post-Catholicism and Christianity finding Ireland. And it is a good take on why the, the Irish were <clears throat> able to accept... Christianity and Catholicism after a time because they brought in and explained in through the ways of the church, the fey folk. Now, whether or not you believe that Christianity and Catholicism was in the right or wrong is a non-issue here. It's just worth knowing that this was an effect 
that happened within folklore itself in Ireland that the mere presence of this new religion altered their folklore and fairy tales to such a degree. Until next time, take care.